Thank you, Chris. Children? First Samuel seventeen forty five through forty six. David said to the Philistines, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give your carcass of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Most of us have heard this story hundreds of times. The story of the young shepherd boy, David, and this huge problem he had called Goliath. The same David that became king of Israel. The same David that was after God's own heart. The same David that said, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. No matter how many times I read this story, I see something new. Every day of our lives, each one of us face giants. These giants come in different sizes, different shapes, different types. And these giants always seem to show up in our life uninvited. And let me just say for the record that you don't have to be 18 to face giants. You don't even have to be 21 and legal to face giants. Giants attack both old and young. Our young people have problems today that most older folks never even thought about. There used to be a time when crack was on the wall and Coke was a soft drink. In fact, doesn't it seem to us like things are getting worse and worse every day? And that's why we need to as people who follow Jesus, to encourage our young people every time we get a chance instead of getting on their case every time we see them. Every time we turn around, we face another giant. Giants at school. Giants at home. Giants at work. Giants in sickness. All around us are giants. And the giants just keep on coming. I faced my first giant while I was still in the womb with my mother. My mom was very sick the entire time she carried me. And I was born premature in the 1950s. And they didn't expect me to live. My mom didn't have enough fluid in her. And so my entire left side of the body laid, laid on her instead of being floating. And so everything on my left side of the body was deformed or damaged. My mom and dad went right out and bought a life insurance policy for $1,000 because the doctor said that you're probably going to bury him. And so they did this. 
so they'd be prepared. But I did make and beat that first giant, and I was born. I was blind in my left eye. My arteries and veins weren't developed in the left side of my body. My left leg was turned in like this. My left hand had a thumb, but it had no bone. So they had to remove that so I can't hitchhike. Because there's no fluid in my mother, I also had, from birth, severe scoliosis. And what's really bad about that is 70% 70, 70 of all scoliosis people are female. Only 30% are men, are boys. And I was one of the ones to get it. And my case was severe. They didn't know how to treat it back then. So what they did, they put this big, heavy plaster cast that went from the waist all the way to the neck, and then this arm was cast over the wooden pole put here. And then they cut a hole in the circle of my stomach so when I ate, I wouldn't be uncomfortable. Now this cast was heavy, and I was a skinny, scrawny boy, and it, and it rubbed blisters on my hips, and they would just put these foam things in, and, and as it bled, they just put more foam, more foam. And you can imagine the giants I faced just having that cast on. But in fifth grade, imagine being 10 years old and kids seeing you in this big body cast. You look like a monster. Face a lot of giants. Made fun of a lot. Picked on a lot. I remember once going to the pop machine at school and bending down to get a pop. And one of the big bullies at school took his foot and just kicked me into the pop machine. And of course, I fell back like a turtle. I couldn't get up. And then around eighth grade, they invented a brace called the Milwaukee Back Brace. First one in Ohio to try it. And as they developed it more and more, it got better and lighter. I got to take the, the cast off and wear this brace. And I could take the brace off if I swam. So I became an excellent swimmer. It was the only time I could take the brace off. Back to the cast, though, I had to have it changed every three months. Because you can imagine a cast on your body, you're sweating and everything. So every three months, I'd go into children's hospital, they'd take the cast off, my skin would be disgusting, and you know what the first thing they did? Hooked me up to these wires and bars that kept me stretched. I couldn't move, they fed me, my tutors came in, and for several weeks, I'd be in children's hospital until my skin started healing. And right when I started feeling pretty good, it's time to put the cast back on. And I remember crying every three months for over two years. And then after the brace, I had that until I was a senior in high school. They took x-rays of me from fifth grade on, and I had over 500 full back x-rays. That can't be healthy. But they said, you're done growing, take your brace off. So I had a chance to go up to Quebec, so I went. I worked in my uncle's hunting and fishing camp up there, and I was there for six months, and something bad happened after my 18th birthday. An unexpected growth, I shot up. And I mean, I shot up. And my body couldn't handle it. My spine and vertebrae couldn't handle it, and it collapsed. I remember I couldn't breathe very well. I was getting tired. 
I was getting sick and finally I had to go back home. And when my parents saw me, they just broke down crying. I hadn't seen myself because I was in a hunting and fishing camp. Our, our mirror was like a, a steel mirror that you could just barely see anything. And because the hunters and fishermen who came in didn't know me, they didn't know I was anything wrong with me. And so he went to see my doctor who had treated me the whole time. He said, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. You're, you're going to die from this because your lungs are being pressed against your rib cage. Your heart's being pressed against your rib cage. Your lungs have no room. And so, pretty depressing for my parents and me. They found a doctor who had come to City Hospital when I was 23. I only had about six months left to live. I was really not doing well. And he took on the surgery. It was the second surgery ever to be done. And City Hospital paid for the whole thing. Just the surgery was $260,000. And that was in 1980. And it was a 10-hour surgery. They put two metal rods, my neck, all the way down. And one acted as a actual like a jack, and they tried to straight, you know, straight, you know, bring me up a little bit as they could. And they said before a surgery, there's only a 50-50 chance of surviving it. Sorry. And only a 40-60 chance of surviving out that first year. And I remember the night before the surgery, I was so depressed because I knew I wasn't going to make it. And I, I made it okay with God. And as I laid there, a little boy from my youth group come barreling in the room, and I'm hooked up to oxygen and all these wires. And he had come from a horrible home, and I'd been his youth group leader. And he said, Steve, don't die, don't die, don't die, I need you. And I lied to him and said, I'm going to be okay, I'm going to be okay, don't worry. And I called my dad from the nurse, you know, did it and took the boy home. And then that morning, I saw my family, every uncle, every aunt that I had, my grandparents, standing there. They couldn't come near me because they were, I was af they were afraid of infection. And I saw them all through the window. And I knew they were there to say goodbye to me. It was a big giant. And yet the Lord had me face a giant, and with the Lord's help, we beat that giant. Giants, giants attack everyone. Let's go back to David. The odds were against him, weren't they? Some young kid. Things didn't look good. The situation looked mighty bad, actually. If we're honest this morning, we feel like sometimes we can't win through losing. This giant that met David was 10 foot tall or bigger. Then on top of that, this giant didn't have any problem of telling everybody how big and bad he was. A problem is always bigger when you let that problem convince you how bad it is, the giants just keep on coming. In 1996, I started having bad pains in my neck. My pain doctor said, well, it's your back. It's all arthritic, and it's 
it's 60 degrees and S curve and it's going to hurt you. And so I started on pain medicines. And I kept needing stronger and stronger pain medicine. I tell the doctor, you don't understand, none of this medicine's working. And I went through a whole year and then another year of telling him it's horrible. Sometimes I wake up at night and my heart's pounding really fast and, and I think I'm going to die because, oh, that's just depression. So then he starts putting me on depression medicines and stuff. And then I tell him, okay, a year later, okay, I'm walking and everything goes white and I'm going to pass out. And I tell him, okay, I'm in bed. I wake up and I see all these fireworks shooting off in my head. You just need more depression medicine. In fact, I had a tumor in my brain that went undiagnosed for quite a while. I remember my youth group finding me in a basement floor, passed out because I, I didn't go to the church. They were worried, so they came in and found me. They took me to the, to the hospital. And my dad, who was on the President's Club at City Hospital at the time, called the chairman of the hospital and said, I want you to find out what's wrong with my son. They did a CAT scan of my whole body and found a tumor deep in my head, and it had been bleeding. And because it had been misdiagnosed, it had gotten worse and worse. I remember going to the hospital, waking up at some point when they were taking me to the hospital. The next thing I remember, it's six months later, I'm 260 pounds. My head is, hair is completely butched, and I got this big, horrible scar and indention in my head. Here, my parents sold my home, sold their home, bought a handicapped accessible house, took you know, legal custody of me, because they didn't think I was ever going to come out of it. The giants just keep on coming. Forty days and nights, Goliath let the people know how bad he was. He let the people of Israel know that he was Goliath. If you don't know, you better ask somebody. I've never been beat before. I've crushed armies with my single hand. The Israelite army was defeated before the battle was even begun. The giants just keep on coming. A lot of times we do the same thing. We let the, lion, the giants in our life defeat us before the battle even starts. A lot of us young and not so young have allowed giants to defeat us in life. We have allowed the giants of sex, the giants of drugs, the giants of alcohol, the giants of depression, the giants of anger, or whatever your giant is, convince you that you don't have any power. Whatever giant you're facing this morning, I can tell you without a doubt that greater is he that is in me than, the, that is in the, that, than, than he that is in the world. I know that the odds don't look good for us. We don't have to look long and far to look to see what troubles we have on the horizon. Drugs in the corner, guns in the school, children raising themselves, police brutality, discrimination. The odds are against every one of us. 
but we do have Jesus. Teenage boys, the odds are against you. The world says that seven out of every hundred of you won't graduate high school. The giants just keep on coming. And girls, the odds are against you. The world says that one out of every ton of you, ten of you will be uh, referring to some man as your baby's daddy before you even graduate high school. And that's just if you even graduate after you get pregnant. But yet we all can learn a lesson from David. David didn't give up when the giants came in his life. David proposed in his mind that I will bless the Lord at all times and give him great praise. You see, David remembered that God was faithful in his past. And God has been faithful to us. Listen, church. David had hope in a hopeless situation. In verse 37, David said, God delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. Goliath is just like any other animal that I have faced in the past. God has delivered me from the giants of my past, and I know he will protect me and deliver me from the giants of my future. Whether we know it or not, we have a past that is filled with God's faithfulness, God's mercy, God's goodness. Battling giants isn't anything new to us. Each one of us have our own story of battles that we have faced and giants that have attacked us in our lives. And this morning, I know that there are people that are still facing giants. I think of my battles with my giants, and I claim the power of Jesus, and I'm still here. In 1999, after my brain surgery, I was up to 260, and my main metal rod broke in my back. And because of all the weight, this doctor sat down with my dad and me, his spinal specialist, said that, ah, maybe six months to a year. The giants keep coming. And so someone very wise to me said, listen, that doctor may know a lot about medicine, but he don't know about Jesus. Jesus will have you here as long as he needs you here. And so I started working on my weight. And that was hard because for six months I just laid and ate. And I started taking myself off the drugs. I don't recommend that. But when Diana met me, I was like, whoo, I was out there, wasn't I, Diana? And so I just quit taking the drugs so, so I could be me again. If we call up the role in heaven, Paul said, I am the chief of sinners. Peter said, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Isaiah said, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Moses said, I'm an evil man. David said, Lord, I have a wicked heart. And yet, as we look again at 1 Samuel, the difference the Lord our God makes in the life of all his children. I'm going to read it one more time. 
David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. I remember in fifth grade, there was a dog, big shepherd, always used to scare me. He was on a leash, and I had to walk by him every day, going to school and coming back. Every once in a while, he'd get off his leash, and I'd cross the side street and just hope he wasn't going to come after me. Well, one time, he broke his leash and got me, knocked me down on my back, couldn't get up. He bit me in the leg. And around the corner, as I'm laying there, thinking I'm going to be dead here because I'm a little kid, I see my older brother come running. Bigger, stronger. He grabbed that German shepherd by the collar and just flung it into the air. After that, that dog didn't seem so big. As Hebrews 2 tells us, we've got a big brother, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus will walk with us against any giant. If you're facing a giant this morning, or you just want to come up and and pray for strength, or for anything, the altars are open.